0: And I'm going to get straight into the word. why Capernaum, Jesus. You know, Jesus was born in Nazareth. He lived, or sorry, born in Bethlehem, lived two years in Egypt. Then he moved and was reared in Nazareth. And then he had what we call an itinerant ministry. He traveled. However, he did have a second home for part of those three and a half years. And it was in a place called Capernaum. Michael calls it Capernaum. I don't know what the proper pronunciation is. It's a bit like crash and Crash and Rochester Road. But why did he choose that place? What is the significance for your life? If you believe in Jesus as your Saviour, this should matter because his life has a rhythm to it and it speaks to us today. Let's bring up a notorious map again. And you can see here, this is Capernaum, way up here. So uh, there you have the region of Galilee. And Capernaum, very strategically, and you've got to stay tuned for this, is on the Sea of Galilee, where so many events happened. Capernaum is up there. Jesus would have been born or raised in Nazareth, sorry. Why did he move, whatever, 35 miles away to Capernaum? It's a strange thing. Let's see why it happened we know that he was Jesus of Nazareth that's what he was called why did he not choose Nazareth as his base what were the negatives and then what were the positives what forced him or not forced him but caused him to choose not to base his ministry in Nazareth this is really important and then what pulled him or drew him to choose Capernaum well we know Matthew 13 58 tells us that in Nazareth, in Nazareth, Jesus did not do many miracles because of the locals' lack of faith. They didn't have faith there. It was a low faith environment. And Jesus wasn't going to stay there. He wasn't going to do miracles there. You've heard me say this before. I prophesy it again. Even more so because of the three month lockdown we've all been in that we're now coming out of. Remove yourself from a low-faith environment. Put yourself in a high-faith environment. Because if you're surrounded by people, you and I need to surround ourselves again with people who have faith. Because faith is infectious. You talk about coronavirus infectious, faith is infectious. And by having people in our lives who've got faith, we build up our own. Amen? Amen? Amen. So not only did the people not really have faith and Jesus wasn't going to do miracles, we also know and were told in Luke 4 29 that at the Nazareth synagogue they tried to drag Jesus out and kill him. Now if on the 5th of July, next the Sunday three weeks' time. You come in here to Grace Church in McCurtain Street, and Michael tries to drag you out by the scruff of the (laughs) neck, and I say, kill him or kill her, and we drag you out. Mm, I just get the feeling you probably wouldn't be in a rush to come back here. Well, they tried to kill Jesus when he went to the synagogue in Nazareth because he was faithful. Synagogue is like church back then. Jesus always gathered with others. He didn't take a holiday. You didn't take a holiday. Don't take holidays from God. Amen. It'll destroy your soul. Amen. I promise you. And I promise if you don't take a holiday from God, he'll bless your soul. So Jesus wasn't going to set up in Nazareth. I like what Bishop T.D. Jake says. Bishop T.D. Jake says you cannot expect a turtle to understand a giraffe decision. What does that mean? The turtle is down in the ground, he can only see the leaf in front of him, the giraffe is way up, he sees way ahead. It's the same spiritually. If you're surrounded by turtles in your life who only see the next trill or the next bit of money or the next TV program or whatever it is, you need to be with the giraffes who see beyond and who see up higher. And so Jesus wasn't going to stay in Nazareth with turtles, as it were. He was moving to a better place. So why did he go to Capernaum? Well, first thing we know, here's a bit of strategy. Capernaum was on what we know and what we call the Via Maris. If you're getting bored, I'm doing a bit of teaching at the start so I can get into the preaching and the prophetic. The Via Maris was one of the main roads. And it went from Damascus right down to Egypt. Two huge centres of population. So, Capernaum was like a crossroads. If you were coming from Damascus, you would have to stop off in Capernaum if you were on your way to Egypt. So, it was a crossroads. If you want to spread a message, you have to put yourself on the crossroads. Do you realise you're on the crossroads today? We're on the crossroads. We're watching in, we're connecting lots of new people on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on podcasts, every different way were on a crossroads. Jesus strategically used his mind. He wanted to be at the crossroads. It was a large town for the day. We know there were at least 10,000 people, maybe more. That mightn't sound large to you, but back then that was really big. So Jesus could impact a lot more people uh, on, uh, in Capernaum than he could in Nazareth, which was a lot smaller. And then another very valid reason is that Uh, Capernaum was the hometown of the many of the disciples. Peter, Andrew, James, John, and so on, they all came from Capernaum. Some of them were married, such as Peter. And Jesus isn't in about splitting up marriages or removing fathers from their children. So he wanted to allow the married men who were his disciples to be with their families as well. They could follow the Lord, but they needed to look after their families and show love and give time to them. So Jesus wasn't going to stop that. So all of these reasons were part of why he didn't choose Nazareth. I think I've thoroughly covered the Judea thing, Jerusalem down south, and why he did use Capernaum. So let's begin to look at what happens spiritually, because my sense is we're all going to be faced with what Jesus faced over the coming weeks. Why Capernaum Jesus, part one, may God bless his word to our souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read it. As Jesus was in Capernaum, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. The people were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority. Just then, a man with an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Quiet! Come out of him! Jesus commanded, then the evil spirit shook the man violently, violently, and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed, and they asked one another, what is this? A new teaching, and with such authority, even demons obey him, and news Of Jesus spread all over Galilee so again we see right at the beginning that Jesus went to the synagogue on the Sabbath he had a rhythm you see all of us our rhythm has been disturbed praise God for those of you who are watching in electronically but I know that I know that I know many of our beloved brothers and sisters have drifted a little bit spiritually haven't been tuning in And our rhythm is broken. As we begin to get our rhythm back in again. Can I say to everyone. If you know a brother or a sister. Who's began to slip. Start praying. Start reaching out. Mm -hmm. We need to follow God's word. Mm -hmm. We couldn't meet all along. But now we will be able to meet over these phases coming up. So praise God. Look at the rhythm of Jesus. He always went to a synagogue which is like a church. And more than any other synagogue, during his public ministry, he would have gone to Capernaum Synagogue. It was, if you will, his hometown church. He always went to the feasts in Jerusalem, but he always went to this synagogue. So he was known there. And the way synagogues operated, they didn't just operate maybe like a Christian church. If you were over 13 and a man, you'd be asked, were, you'd take turns in reading the scripture. And when it was Jesus' turn, because he was regular there, we're told that the people in the synagogue, women were up in one corner, separate, the men, and we're told that they were amazed at Jesus' teaching because he spoke with authority. What does that mean? First of all, Jesus had an intellectual grasp of the doctrine. That he was preaching. Secondly, he had a passionate conviction that it was the truth. So that was emotionally. And above all, he had an anointing that was spiritual. Isaiah prophesied it many years beforehand. I am anointed to preach the good news to the poor. It was the Isaiah prophecy about the coming Messiah. So Jesus just got everyone's attention because he spoke with authority and everyone is captivated. Just picture that you're in this meeting and he's, Jesus is preaching and you know the hairs on the back of your neck are standing up and you feel kind of goosebumps all over your body and your heart is racing a bit faster and you know, Jenny, this is really going great. There's something powerful here. And right into this atmosphere, wouldn't you know it? No surprise, what do we find? A disruption, just like you and I will have a bit of a disruption. And we're told, here we see it. Just then, a man with an evil spirit cried out to him. And when, you, when we read the word cried out, cried out is screamed out. I've been at church services like that over the years where someone tried to disrupt And I can remember two or three of them where it was definitely demonic. As you and I get back into the rhythm, let's not be foolish, the evil one doesn't want you to get back into your rhythm. If you have a friend who's a Christian who's kind of saying, I don't know, will I get back into church at all? You know what? The devil doesn't want anyone going back to church. He wants to keep us at home isolated. But if we start going back for a season, He'll try and disrupt you and he'll try and disrupt me. And so Jesus is preaching with authority and the enemy uses this man to try and stop what was happening. Look at the words that he said right into this. What do you want? Have you come to destroy us? Very interesting. We can see the demonic here is a plurality. It's not a demon. Not as much as uh, the, the Gadarene demoniac who had legion, which was many thousands. But there was a plurality in this poor man. And the number of demons was definitely more than one because he refers to it in that way. So he's tormented. And because the presence of Jesus Christ is coming in uh, into a place and the atmosphere is charged spiritually and there is an anointing there, the devil lashes out. Think he won't do that to us? Of course he will. Are we going to be like jelly babies and be frightened? How do we handle it? How do you handle this at home? If someone in your household is attacking you for your faith. How do you handle it at work if there's an issue? Or with neighbours? Or with whatever? Look at what Jesus said. Be quiet. Come out of him. Jesus commanded command it. Some of us today have to say that to the enemy. Be quiet. You have to say that to the constant anxiety you're feeling. Be quiet. Maybe it's a haunting memory and I sense from the Holy Spirit that there is someone or some people watching on and a memory from the past is like your daily companion. You have to say to that memory, be quiet in Jesus' name. Be quiet. I am not entertaining that thought. Maybe it's a thought. And I had a sense that with a guy watching. It's a condemnation memory. Something you shouldn't have done. And the enemy is attacking you. And attacking you. And attacking you. And attacking you. Trying to drag down your faith. And bringing up a sin from the past. And God's word says there is now No condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say to the enemy be quiet to that heart. Memory. Maybe you're out of a fear of the future. I'll go out of my house and I'll catch the virus. Have faith. Have faith in God. Be careful, but don't be afraid. Fear of the future are words that wounded you, and those words are still in your soul. Do what Jesus did. Say to the enemy, be quiet, and come out of him. What happened when he said that? We're told the demon, you see, the enemy isn't just going to leave quietly. He shook that poor man violently and came out of him with a shriek. A shriek. He didn't just leave quietly. Violence. See, Satan brings violence. I praise God that the one we follow is the Prince of Peace. And he doesn't bring violence, he brings peace. Pray peace into your home, Mm -hmm. into your marriage, Mm -hmm. into the relationship with your kids, Mm -hmm. my kids, my marriage, my home, our homes. But this is what he did. Now, if you were sitting in that synagogue at that church, you probably would have been right on the edge of the chair. You see, I believe, if you read into this, that they knew this man. This guy was always in the synagogue with all of his demons. But when there's not an awful lot happening, the enemy isn't going to cause too much trouble. Nothing going on in your life, well, you mightn't be doing too much either. But as soon as you start standing up for the truth and declaring the word of God, you know what? The enemy will try and attack. And here we have Jesus has commanded him to be quiet. So the very final legacy... Of the attack of the enemy is violence and noise but you know what within seconds he was gone hallelujah this constant noise and trouble that was there he didn't want to go but go he had to and Jesus commanded him to go and here he was gone praise God look at what we're told about the people in the synagogue and all over Capernaum they were amazed and they said, he even as authority over demons, they were amazed. I prophesy, in the days to come, you're going to be amazed. Amen. You're going to be amazed at what God has been doing over the last three months. Has Satan been trying to drag down people's faith as they've been more isolated, as we've all been struggling and trying to come to terms with a new reality? Of course, but God has also been at work. And you and I will be amazed. And you and I will be amazed at what God is going to do. And I believe that with all my heart. The Holy Spirit will move to disrupt what the enemy has been doing. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we're told that news about Jesus spread all over Galilee. I pray in Jesus' name, news about Jesus was spread all over Cork. Amen. All over Munster, Amen. all over Ireland, all over the world, hallelujah. Amen. Let me share one more point, And this, to me, is totally prophetic. I hope you're watching in. I hope you haven't gone off to watch the telly or make a cup of tea or play with the dog. I hope you're watching. And if you're watching back later on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on podcast, please listen to this, because this, I know, is prophecy for us to do. This is the Sea of Galilee up here, and it's fed by the same water that the Dead Sea down here is fed by. Basically, the River Jordan. The difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is that the Sea of Galilee has an outlet The water flows in, it receives water, but it also gives out water. The thing about the Dead Sea is it receives water, but it doesn't give out any water. So, anything you read in the Bible, or you can go to Israel today, and you can go to the Sea of Galilee, and it's teeming with fish, and just as in the days of Jesus, it gave life. People lived from its bounty. But just as it was then and as it is today, you can go to the Dead Sea and it's full of salt. It's dead. Nothing lives there. People, tourists go there to float on the salt. It's so dead. And here I prophesy. Jesus chose to base his ministry right on the Sea of Galilee because it was life-giving. Because those received, it also gave. And I prophesy for the future. I'm going to pray it now that for the last three months, many haven't been able to do an awful lot of giving. Maybe you've been able to give something financially, you've been able to pray, but in many other ways you couldn't give. I think some of us are beginning to get like the Dead Sea, and it's not God's will. I know God wants us all to be people of Galilee, Mm. like Jesus of Nazareth, who was a man of Galilee, We need to be Galilee people who will receive, because we have to receive, but we'll also give. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to pray prophetically into your lives that all of us would begin to see doors opening. We had a whole team in here yesterday. Antonio De Silva, God bless you, Conor Callahan, Pat Henshin, I think Benny Beck, There there's a few others you were in here helping to start the process of setting the physical building up for um, church to gather again. God wants to use us, he wants you and me to be like the Sea of Galilee. Are you ready to pray? Are you ready to say, God, would you use me? And maybe God is going to use you and me in whole new ways that we've never been used before. Well, I believe that's God's will for us. So I'm going to pray. And if you want to close your eyes, if you want to um, stand up, whatever you are, wherever you are, you know what you're going to do. I pray in the name of Jesus that not one person watching or listening would become like the Dead Sea. Stulted, full up, and not giving. I pray we'd be like the Sea of Galilee just like the town of Capernaum that thrived because of that. I pray we would bless our communities, bless our families, bless ourselves by giving as well as receiving. I thank you that you choose Capernaum, Lord, for a purpose. And I ask you now, Lord, and I pray that whoever feels they're becoming like the Dead Sea, that you would release them in Jesus' name. I pray now, Lord, whatever Satan is saying, we say as Jesus said, be quiet! Be quiet to the voice of the enemy. And I pray our brothers and sisters would move away from that low faith environment of Nazareth and park yourselves and become active in the Capernaum of our lives by the Sea of Galilee. Come, Holy Spirit. There's a teenage girl watching on And I know maybe you're watching Tribe later, but the Lord is saying to you, you're isolated on your own, and it's not your fault. It's like all of those around you are doing their own thing. Maybe you're not a teenager, maybe you're in your 20s, but it's a young girl, and you're isolated on your own, and here's what the Lord is saying to you. Don't lose faith. I see what you're going through, and I will deliver you. I will turn the nighttime into day. You will be amazed at the miracle that I will do in you first and then in those around you. Don't feel that because the enemy has been shouting at you, just like the enemy shouted at Jesus through an innocent man, but the enemy got in there, the Lord is saying, the words that are hurting you, I will stop them. And he'll do it in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray those words would stop and that our sister would be delivered. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, why did Jesus choose Capernaum? For the best of reasons. We're going to look at some more of this prophetically on Tuesday night. Hope you can join me and Michael next Tuesday night as we broadcast from McCurton Street here. Some of you are in the Dead Sea and you know it. Take the first step this morning. Take the first step of coming out of that dead place and start your journey back up to the Sea of Galilee. Just make a decision now. Tell the Lord, Jesus, I'm coming back because his arms are open wide for you. Amen.